So if you would turn to hymn number 91, we're not going to sing it, but I would like to read through it. Hymn number 91, before we look at the words of this hymn, I'll read what's underneath. Some have credited Abraham Lincoln as the author of this hymn. While it was actually written by Isaac Watts, it's said to have been a favorite of Mr. Lincoln. He probably first heard the hymn at Little Pigeon Primitive Baptist Church in Indiana, where he attended with his parents as a young boy. This is a great song, and it fits in line with the message if the Lord blesses. Time what an empty vapor tis, and days how swift they are. Swift as an Indian arrow flies, or like a shooting star. The present moments just appear, then slide away in haste. That we can never say they're here, but only say they're past. Our life is ever on the wing, and death is ever nigh. The moments when our lives begin, we all begin to die. Yet, mighty God, our fleeting days, thy lasting favors share. Yet with the bounties of thy grace, thou loadest the rolling year. Time, what an empty vapor tis. Psalm 91, Psalm 90, we looked at on Wednesday night a little bit. Luke and Bray read and commented on a portion of the scriptures. I'd like to deal specifically with one verse and support it with uh, some other verses. If you can learn the principle that's taught here in your youth, it will make a difference in your life. If you wait until old age to remember this, it can still be a blessing for you, but you'll look back upon your life with a measure of sorrow and regret. He's teaching a principle right here, and when I first began to look at it, there's some parts about it that are just a little bit discouraging to me. The message is not meant to be discouraging, but the message is meant to be a reality check. It's sort of, as some folks might call it, a come to Jesus moment. That's what's meant in the lesson that's taught right here. And if you can learn this lesson early on, it will bless you the rest of your life. Let's look at what is written. Interestingly, this psalm is written by Moses. Over half of the Psalms, at least 75 of them, are written by David. 
The other 75 are written by various other men. Asaph, the, the leader of David's choir, uh, they're written by other folks. But this song is written, it was a song that was written by Moses. And it is said to be the oldest of all psalms. So there's a purpose in it. There's a lesson in it. And it's loaded with great counsel for us. I want to go down to verse 12. It is a two-part lesson right here. He says in verse 12, Moses is saying right here, so teach us something. There's two things that Moses emphasizes right here. If the Lord blesses, it will be a two-part message. Hopefully address both parts briefly this morning. The first part is, so teach us to number our days. That's the first part. Now, if you need help in numbering your days, we found out on Wednesday night that Brother Tom has an app on his phone and he's able to help you number your days. And you can compare it to what the scriptures say that we typically have 70 or 80 and if you look at the days that are past and gone, sometimes you look at it with a little bit of discouragement. And when you look at the days that are still left, that might be a little bit discouraging. But it's not supposed to be discouraging. It's supposed to be awakening for us. And so he teaches us right here to number our days. And it's a two-part message in this verse. He says, for uh, teach us to number our days. Why do we need to number our days? Honestly, I'd rather not think about it. I mean, really. Brother Sonny Powell's told about visiting with a home in the home of a, a deacon and his wife. And he said uh, he was spending the night and this individual that he was staying with said, Brother Sonny, did you see who was driving a brand new Lincoln town car at church tonight? He said, what do you think about that? Brother Sonny responded and he said, well, I don't think about it. And I want to know what you're doing thinking about it. So really and truly, as far as numbering our days, I'd rather just not think about it. Especially when I get over to Titus and it talks about the aged men and the aged women. And when I go and look at what John Gill says about the definition of aged, and I realize I'm just about a year away from it. The big six O. I mean, I'm not excited about being described an aged man. I mean, they're just not that excite me about that. But it's a reality check right here. This is for folks Tristan's age, Bray's age, Danny's age, Luke's age. This is a folk, this is a lesson for you to sort of have a reality check. When we're young, we think our years are ever before us and they're going to go so slow and we're going to be open-ended on the years. Now, this lesson will show you what a blessing Sister Perry is experiencing in her life. That it is a blessing from God to live to the age that Sister Perry is. 
It's also a blessing to have the attitude that Sister Perry has. It's also a blessing that she told me this morning she doesn't have a pain in her body. Now that's a blessing. To be 103 years old and not have any pain. I mean, I want to sign up for that. I do. All right, let's look through it. This is really, really good. I hope it's a blessing to you. He, he first of all teaches us to number our days. He wants us to put it in perspective. He starts out, and we'll briefly read through this, and then we'll, we'll look at some verses that help us to number our days. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction and sayest, Return, ye children of men, for a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday, when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away as with a flood. They are as asleep in the morning. They are like the grass which groweth up. He's beginning to describe our life right here and the brevity of life. He says it's like a grass that's grown up. He says it, in the morning it flourisheth. You can go out and you can see the, the beautiful field after the dew has been on it in the night. And you can see how uh, robust it is. You can see how uh, uh, thick it is, how green it is, how bright it is, and how beautiful it is. And he says, in the morning it groweth up. But he says, in the evening it is cut down and withereth. He says, our life is like the grass of the field. I remember Elder Gus Harder, who just recently had heart surgery. I remember about 30 years ago when he was preaching at the church in Lubbock, Texas. He was a young man. He was a strong man. He says, my father was a physician. But he said, more than that, my father was always a very strong and robust individual. He said, I felt like my dad had all the power in the world and he said then my father had open heart surgery he said I went to the hospital to see this man that I had known that had all kinds of strength and he says after I walked in to see my dad after he had open heart surgery he said the surgery reduced him to a feeble old man stooped over and he said it was like flipping a switch it happened so quickly and I was reminded of that when Brother Harder himself, about a month ago, had the same surgery that his father had. It changes so quickly. He says right here, we're like the grass of the morning. It flourisheth, it groweth up. And in the evening it is cut down, it withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger and thy wrath. We are troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. And then he describes it right here. He says to number our days. He said, for our days are passed away in thy wrath. He said, we spend our years as a tale that is told. Isn't it interesting? Our life is described as a tale. It's interesting. It says as a tale that is told. When you tell a story or a tale, oftentimes there's some high points. There's some low points. Oftentimes there's some exciting things. There's some discouraging things. But he said our life 
it goes so quickly, it's like a tale that is told. He says, for our life is like a tale that is told. Our days are cast away in thy wrath. wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. And then he says, and says, the days of our years are three score and ten. That's seventy. And if by reason of strength, they be fourscore years. Now, Moses, he really was just getting ramped up at 80 years of age to lead the children of Israel. And Moses lived to be about 120 years of age. And that was the exception. And Moses had strong vigor and strong zeal. And he says right here that the days of our years are threescore and ten. And if by reason of strength, they be fourscore. And he describes it right here. He says, but if they be fourscore years, he says, there is, there is, yet, yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow. I have an aunt and uncle in, in uh, West Texas. And after they turn 80 years of age, every time I talk to them, they give me the list of all their doctor's appointments that week. They have a hard time keeping up with each other's doctor's appointments. And that's how they spend most of their week, going to the doctor to try to keep patched up and keep going. And my uncle told me when I saw him about a month ago, he's 88 years old, and he said he went to the doctor and he was giving the doctor all of his ailments. And and the doctor just turned to him and he said, well, just how old do you want to live to be? Well, that's not really encouraging. But he he said, well, I'm 88. I'd like at at least to live to be 89. So... He says that it's generally three score and ten, maybe four score. But after four score, there's labor and sorrow. So Sister Perry, Sister Virgin, those that are Brother Farrington, Sister Farrington, they are the exception to the rule and they are extra blessed. Teach us, Lord, to number our days. Psalm 37. Psalm 37 describes it again. Psalm 37, especially uh, verse 3. He says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither thou be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the herb. And he says, so, so don't get overly distraught about evildoers, workers of iniquity. They're not going to be here forever. Neither are we. He says, for they soon shall be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. He says, we are to trust in the Lord and do good. And shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. I think what he's saying right here is if the Lord puts something really special on your heart and the Lord blesses you with the special desire of your heart, it says if you're ways and you're seeking the Lord, the Lord's going to bless you with the desires of your heart. Katie and Michael are a, a testimony of that. The Lord desired them to have a godly relationship, a godly marriage, a godly home. And God blessed each of them. They'll tell you that with the desires of their heart. He says, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him 
and he shall bring it to pass. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Psalm 39, verse 4. The psalmist says right here, Lord, this is the psalm, the psalm, uh, the psalm that's written by David. He said, Lord, make me to know my end and the measure of my days, what it is. He says, Lord, I want you to make me know my life, the measure of my days. And he says, that I may know how frail I am. Make me to have a concept of my life so that I can know that I am frail and I am dependent upon you. And then he says something else right here. He says, Lord, make, uh, make me to know the number of my days that, that I may know how frail I am. And then he says, behold, thou, make, thou made my days as a hand breath. Hold your hand up if you will. Look at your hand. You don't have to hold it up. Look at your hand. You know how much a hand breath is? I, I really thought that it was maybe from here to the tip of my fingers. Kind of hoping that that's what it was. A hand breath is the width of the palm of your hand. He said, that's what your days are like. That's how small they are. That's how quickly they pass. He said, thou hast made my days as a handbreadth. My age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man in his best state is altogether vanity. Now, that's just simply teaching us how to view our days. It is. Let's look at uh, look at Job. At Job chapter seven, one verse here in Job. Job chapter seven. Some of you will remember the first time I read this verse and tried to explain it. I was off base. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. How many were here the first time I explained that? <laughs> well, you can Google what a weaver's shuttle is. It's the... Uh, the tool that a weaver uses in making fabric and it goes back and forth really, really fast to carry the yarn. And there's YouTubes now that describe what a weaver shuttle is. He's basically saying that our life is super, super fast. And it goes by so quickly. Now, Job chapter 14, still teaching us to number our days. Man... Chapter 14, verse 1. Man that is born of a woman is a few days. And it says, and those days are full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower. This is describing our life. 
He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. And dost thou open thine eyes and bring such an one and bringest me into judgment with thee. Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. He's saying we can't clean ourselves up. It's only by God's grace and by mercy. And he says in verse 5, seeing that his days are determined with the number of his months are with thee, that thou hast appointed his bonds that he cannot pass. He says, God is in charge of our days. Now we can make those days miserable here in this life. We certainly can. How many of you remember Brother Frank Rogers? Brother Frank Rogers, one of the things you remember about Brother Frank into his 80s is that everywhere that he went, he pulled an oxygen tank with him. Ever, ever since I knew Brother Frank, he pulled an oxygen tank with him. And he told me, he said, Brother Stephen, if I had known that I was going to live to be as old as I am, he says, I would have taken better care of myself in my younger years. You may live to old age, and you better take care of yourself or you're going to experience the, the, uh, the, the, the detriments of old age. You might live to be an old man or an old lady. And so we ought to take heed to folks like Brother Frank that he said, if I'd have known I was going to live to be this old, I'd have taken a lot better care of myself. Your body is the temple of God and we ought to take care of it. And God designed it in such a way, it's a miraculous thing. It is a wonderful thing. It is amazing how that God created your body to heal itself. If you create the proper environment, it's amazing how that God built your body, designed your body, that it will heal itself. Somebody asked Brother Farrington one time, said, Brother Farrington, how did you live to be so old and so healthy? He said, I stay away from doctors. <laughs> well... If, if you will just create the environment for your body to heal, it is amazing how that it will heal. It is. He says, our days are appointed with thee. I remember somebody telling me one time, said uh, when, when I was, had my grandmother in my home caring for, and it was, and, and I'd do it again in a heartbeat, and it was a great blessing, but it was a 24-7 job, and I remember someone coming up to me and said, Brother Stephen, I was in my 30s at the time, early 40s, late 30s, and this was a very well-meaning brother who's now with the Lord. But he said, Brother Stephen, I don't think I'd do what you're doing. Because those are the best years of your life. And I responded and I said, you know, the Lord is the one that's in charge of my days. And if the Lord wants to tack on a few extra years on the end, I'm very confident that he can do that if he wants to do it. You serve the Lord, you will not regret serving the Lord. You will not. And you serve the Lord by serving the Lord's people. He goes on down here and he says, he, I'm just going to briefly say it. He says, there is more hope of a tree that's cut down that it will sprout up again than those of us that when we die, we go away. And that is the end here in this life. Thank goodness there's good memories, there's blessings. Thank goodness we wait, as Job says, till our appointed time, till our change comes. In Psalm 144, verse 4, it says, Man is like unto vanity, his days are as a shadow that passes away. Our life is described as a shadow 
it passes so quickly by. And then in James, a lesson in James, he says right here that our day, our years, our days are like a vapor. He says, whereas, he, he gives us a great lesson right here. Go to now and say, today or tomorrow we will, he says, Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, and we will continue there, and we will buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? He says, your life is a vapor, it appeareth for a little time, then it vanisheth away. He said, therefore, you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. How many remember folks saying, the old timers saying, Lord willing, I'll do that. That's where it came from right here. Lord willing. So what is the lesson in teaching us to number our days? What is the, what is the purpose that, that Moses is telling us right here in telling us the first part of, of verse 12 when he says to teach us to number our days? What is the purpose of it? The purpose of it is to realize that our days are not open-ended. That we are to live today as if it was the only day that we have. We don't have tomorrow. We may not have a week down the road, a year down the road. We may not live to old age, but what God has given us is today. And as a result, we should live today as if it is the only day that God has given us. That's one thing that we are to learn in numbering our days. Number two. That in, in, in one of the lessons in numbering our days is this, that if we realize that we don't have an open-ended concept of days, it is going to make a difference, a big difference in how you spend your day. It's going to make a big difference in how you spend your life if you realize it's not open-ended. And number three, those of us that have been around just a little while, you can number your days and you can look back on your life. And you can say, boy, I messed up. I look back at those days that are passed behind me. And I'd do some things different if I had those years to live over. I'd treat some folks different. I'd talk to them different. I'd spend my time different. I'd spend my resources different. When I look back and I number my days. So three lessons. There may be more, but there's three lessons right there in teaching us to number our days. Now, I've got a friend, an old, old contractor. He's probably, I don't know if he's still living. But he had a saying. He'd say, it is what it is. Well, it is what it is. We're where we are. We can't go back and relive those days. We can't expect to live open-ended going forward, but we can live today and whatever days God gives us the way that He recommends that we live them. So te teaching us to number our days, it shouldn't be depressing. It should be a reality check. To help us realize if we need to make changes going forward. Now I tell you, if you learn this in your youth, it will make a, it'll make a huge difference in your life. It really will. 
So he says right here that we are to, uh, in Psalm 91, uh, Psalm 90, he says, so, the first part, he says, so teach us to number our days. And then this is the second part right here. What is the purpose in it? We've looked at, we've looked at the concept. We've looked at the reality check. And now let's look at the purpose and what he says right here. He says, teach us to number our days that where we are right now with the days that we have left, let us apply our hearts unto wisdom. You may say, I don't have wisdom. I'd like to have more wisdom. I'd like to know what God's will is for me. I'd like to know what God's plan is for me. I'd like to know what the Lord would have me to do. I'd like to have more insight into God's Word. I've got some really good news to share with you. Tristan, you can run over to James chapter 1 and you're going to find the answer to this question right here. He says, if any man lack wisdom, he says, you run to God who grants liberally. And he says, and he upbraideth not. I oftentimes run there. Because I realize that I don't have the wisdom that I need to get through this life. And the only place that I can find it is running to the same place that James tells us in chapter 1. We go to the Lord and we ask the Lord for wisdom. Now sometimes He'll grant it to us as we read His Word. Sometimes He'll grant it to us when we hear a message that's proclaimed. Sometimes He'll grant it to us when we're talking to our parents or our grandparents or older brothers and sisters in the church. Sometimes the Lord will grant us wisdom in a variety of ways, but God will give you the wisdom, the discernment to take the information that you have and be able to define and describe and implement the plan going forward. And that's wisdom from above. Some folks know a whole lot, but they don't know how to use it. And you pray that God will bless you to not only know a lot, to be able to, but to be able to use what you know. He says right here, teach us the number of days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Okay, let's, let's, uh, let's see if we can find out uh, what one of the wisest men in the world said about finding wisdom. Let's, let's look at what Solomon said in, in Ecclesiastes. I would encourage you to read all of Solomon. And great, great, great book, especially for young folks. Great for all of us. Great book right here, Ecclesiastes. Before I say this, and, and, and I meant to say this in the announcements, and I fell to, and so I'm going to say it right now, even though it doesn't really fit into this. Uh, but I'll forget it if I don't say it right now. Please listen to the Baptist Bible Hour that Brother Bradley preached this morning and last week. He's preaching about the church, the blessing of the church, your role in the church, the benefit of the church. It was a great message. I, in fact, called him and told him on the phone. I said, I usually text you, but I'm going to tell you in person today. Great message. Blessed my heart. Every, every person ought to hear these two wonderful messages that Brother Bradley preached. It'll be a blessing to you. Please go back and listen today and last week's blessing. I talked to a gentleman and I encouraged him to do it. He said, I've already heard it. I heard it today and I heard it last week. It was really, really, really good. All right, let's see what the wisest man around said. Besides Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the wisest of all. But here we have Solomon. Solomon said, I had a lot of energy. He said... I had a great vision. He said, 
I had a great desire. And he said, I began to look at my labors. And he says, what profiteth the Profit hath a man under all his labors, which he taketh under the sun. He said, one generation passeth away, another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. He said, the sun goes down, it rises up in the morning. He says, the wind goes about. He said, the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. He said, all things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. He basically says that if you look at the big picture, there's not a whole lot of new things that are under the sun. He said, man gets wrapped up in this in this circle and he thinks that he's made a great discovery but he said there's really not anything that's new under the sun you see sometimes we get to thinking that God that we're God's gift to the universe yeah. I remember when brother Mike Rogers and I were ordained we had t-shirts I think they might have even been muscle shirts They don't fit anymore. <laughs> With a verse across the front of it or the back. And it said, where there is, why are you still laughing? <laughs> where there is no vision, the people perish. And we thought we were God's gift to the primitive Baptist. And to the world. And we thought we were going to change everything. Now, you need to have a vision. But you need to have a realistic vision. You do. And you're not going to have a vision aside from the Lord. And Solomon says, he says, I look back upon my life. Isn't it amazing how, how smart we are when we can look back on our life? Maybe I'm pleading the, these young folks because of the mistakes that I made in my life. <clears throat> Maybe you parents, when you're talking to your kids, you're telling them because of mistakes that you made in your life. And Solomon said he looked back upon his life and his pursuits and how he spent his time and how he spent his energy. And I, he said, I realized that a lot of my time was vanity and vexation of spirit. So how are we supposed to spend our time? Solomon says in the 12th ch chapter, he comes to the end of it, and he says, let us here in verse 13, let us get to the bottom line. This is the bottom line in life. He says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Listen to a man that's 80 years old, that's, that's tried everything in his life. He says, here's the conclusion of the whole matter. He says, you fear God and you keep His commandments. And he says, for this is the whole duty of man. That's not just for us when we get to a ripe old age, but that is for us in every age of our life that we are to uh, fear God and keep His commandments. You say, well, how do I apply that in my life? When we make decisions, when we face decisions, when we make decisions along, we make a lot of decisions every day. We can say, 
is this in line with God's word? Is this going to honor God? Is God going to be pleased? Is God going to be praised? Is this going to be for the good of God's people? Is this going to edify me? Is this going to build me up in the Lord? Is this going to encourage somebody else in the Lord? He's saying right here that look at your life. Realize that you have been blessed with a window of time. And he says you take that blessing and you realize that that blessing is a gift from God. The old timers, if you go and look at the tombstones, Brother Harvey, you can do this at Columbia, where there's tombstones that date back over 200 years. Go look at the tombstones, and many of the tombstones that you'll look at will say this. 84 years, 6 months, and 3 days. Now we put it in there. Oh, he was born in 1960, he died in 2020. But back then, they realized the value and the blessing of one day. That every day was a gift from God. We don't have tomorrow. We, we should say, as James tells us right here, he says, if the Lord will, we'll do this or that. May not be the Lord's willing. May be that the Lord's not going to keep us around. So, uh, Solomon says the whole conclusion, the bottom line is that we are to fear God, we're to keep His commandment, for this is the whole duty of man. Did you know that you can fear God and keep His commandment? You can still be very zealous in work. You can still be very zealous in school. You can still be very zealous with your family, with your friends. You, you, you take that zeal and you use it to serve God. I want to tell you something. You will never, ever, ever, I, at least this is, I believe I can state this from experience. And I believe that, I believe I have scriptural proof for this as well. You will never, ever regret the time that you spend serving God. You won't. And you look back on your life and you may have a whole lot of regrets. But you're not ever going to say, well, I served God too much. Or I went to one too many church meetings. Or I read my Bible one too many times. Not going to do that. Or I went to visit somebody in the hospital one too many times. No. You're going to look back on your life and you're going to say, you know what? I had an opportunity to go encourage somebody and I didn't. Sorry. And I didn't. Look back on your life and say, I could have spent my time in a better way honoring God. Now, in case we need help in this, Jesus Christ clears it up for us. In Matthew chapter 6, he says, I think this is a great verse that we ought to all claim. He says, Seek ye first. You want to have it in the right priority? That's God's Word, that's His people, that's God in prayer. That's in the fellowship with the brothers and sisters in Christ. That's in the worship service. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. You go back and look up above it at the things that he's talking about right there. He's talking about the provisions that God will take care of you. That He knows the very hairs of your head. He knows the sparrows that fly. He knows and cares for each of them. And he's saying right here that God is going to provide for you Everything that you stand in need of. If you feel like that God is not providing for you right now, 
Either it's because you're not seeking God first. Or you may have put some things in that category where it says God will provide all your needs. You may have put some wants in there. See, the category may be a little bit unclear. But if you seek God first, He's promised to provide the needs that you stand in need of. He is. Sometimes we get our priority out of line. Went to visit an old brother at his home, and he, Brother Mike Rogers and I were there with him. Brother Albert Lambert, his wife had passed away, and we went to see him on a Friday, and he didn't feel well. He said, we said, how are you doing, Brother Lambert? He said, I'm not doing very good. I'm not feeling very good. He said, if I live till Monday, I'm going to the doctor. Well, now, if you're that bad off, I probably want to go before Monday if you doubt whether you're going to live or not. And if things are not going the way you think they ought to, if your needs are not being provided for, then it might be good to look at your life and consider and see if you put any wants into the need category or see if you're seeking God first or you're seeking other things first and God second or third or maybe even down on the tail end of the list. It'll be a blessing if you'll, if you'll consider it. So, Ephesians chapter 5. We're out of time. I just want to give you some verses to go home and read. So, so very good. Ephesians chapter 5. It sums it up. Ephesians 5 and also Colossians chapter 1. This is really probably a two-part message, but just want to to hit it really, really hard. Applying our hearts unto wisdom. Take two or three minutes at most right here. Go through and read, starting with chapter 4, verse 26. And go all the way down through uh, chapter 5, verse, uh, go down through verse 20. Excellent verses. Paul says, Moses said, number your days. That's an Old Testament writer in an Old Testament verse. Here's how Paul describes it right here. And he spends a chapter and a half right here telling us how to do it. In verse 16, Paul says it this way. He says, redeem, redeem. He says, you redeem the time that you have. You buy back the time that God has given you. And he says, you redeem it and you use it in a way that is going to honor God. He, see, he says, redeem the time because he says, by the way, the days that we're living in are evil days. They're troubled days. And he says, you take the time that God has given you and you purchase it. You lay hold on it. You treasure it. And you redeem that time that God has given you. He tells you how to seek wisdom in doing it. In the latter part of chapter chapter 4 and chapter 5 down to verse 20. Really, really great, 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 great stuff. And then I'll, I'll close with Colossians chapter 1 
And this, Paul, this is what Paul says. He said, this is my desire for you in redeeming the time. There's about four things that he highlights right here. I'm not going to go through all of it. Colossians 1, please read it. It will be a blessing to you if you'll read it. Paul says in verse 9 of chapter 1, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you. Paul is saying, this is my desire for you. He says that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will. Young folks, the greatest blessing you can have is to know how that God would use you in your life. God created you. He's given you a number of days. Redeem the time. He says that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Then he says, and that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. And he says that you would be fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. He said, I'm going I'm to leave this prayer with you. I'm going to leave this prayer request with you. He said, this is what I desire for you. Paul is saying, I desire this as a church. I desire this as individuals. He says that you would walk worthy of the Lord in all pleasing and that you would be fruitful. There's not anything in the world wrong with desiring to be fruitful in serving God. That is simply taking the gifts that God has given you and using those gifts. And the principle that we have taught in the Scriptures is that if you use the gifts that God's given you, He'll give you more if you serve and use them to the glory of God. Now, he said, I gave one individual one gift, another two gifts, another five gifts, uh, talents. And he says, those that had two and those that had five utilized them and they got five more. And the one that had two got two more. I feel like personally that I'm on the low end of that spectrum. And therefore, I believe that I have to work twice as hard because I, I'm not, I don't regret it. But I just know that I don't have the education that a lot of people have. I don't have the eloquence that a lot of people have. I don't have the understanding that a lot of people have. And I see the deficiencies that I have. And I'm sure you see a whole lot more than I have. But when you only have two, then you ought to use them twice as much. And God might just give you another one. He sure might. But he tells us right here. Paul says, I desire that you'll be able to bear fruit. And I believe, I desire that you'll be fruitful in every good work. And he said, I desire that you'll increase in the knowledge of God. He said, I desire that you'll be strengthened with all might. According to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering and joyfulness. And he said, I desire that you give thanks unto the Father, which hath made us to be meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. It goes on down. It's really, really, really good. But Paul is just saying, Paul's saying that, that this stuff is certainly for God's glory, but it's for our good here and now. So we're to number our days. We're to have a reality check so that if we need to look at our life and make some adjustments and changes, no matter what state, what age we are, we have the blessing of being able to set the reset button and say, whatever time I have left, I'm going to spend it to the service and honor and glory of God. It'll make a difference in every one of our lives, no matter where we are. But those of you that are young, 
it'll make a difference for a much longer period of time than it does for those of us that you look on Brother Tom's app and they'll tell you just very few days left, very few summers, winters, seasons. Take what God's given you today, tomorrow, and use it to His glory and to His praise. You will never, ever regret it. May God bless you. We're glad you've been able to listen to this special podcast. We invite you to come and worship with us on a Sunday morning. Our services begin with hymn singing at 10.30 a.m. Mount Carmel Primitive Baptist Church is located at 1707 Churchville Road in Bel Air, Maryland. If you've enjoyed this message, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or in your favorite podcast application.